Hello and welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hartnett, and in today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Olympian and two-time world champion, Reese McLenahan. Our Road to Paris series is in partnership with PTSB, proud partners of Team Ireland for the Olympics and the Paralympic Games, and altogether more human. Reese is a joy to talk to, and we do just that, about his life as a gymnast, the trauma of his fall at the Tokyo Games, what life might have been like without the sport, and how his personal road to Tokyo is looking right now. World champion, two-time world champion, Reese McLenaghan. Congratulations on the uh, on the events over in Antwerp. How special did that feel to go back into the world championship environment and to do it all over again? Yeah, I mean it's tough enough to do it once, but to do it twice and then back to back, there's not many occasions that that does actually happen in gymnastics. So, um, I, you know, it, it just brings me closer to that. Uh, that top, that all-time top spot, which is um, a dream of mine to achieve, really. But uh, you know, taking it one competition at a time, I couldn't be more happy with world championships. And it's nice the way that the geography of it has worked out as well, because the first one you won in Liverpool, second one in Antwerp, Olympic Games now in Paris. How much of a difference does that make in terms of your preparation, your physiology, in terms of just sort of competing? in a time zone and an environment in which you're comfortable and you and you, and you feel good? It does just make it easier, the preparation side of things. There's no jet lag to take into account. There's there's no long-haul flight to worry about. Um, it is a lot easier, of course, but we're prepared for anything. As you know, competitions can be in Tokyo where we have to adapt to that, but we're, we'll be prepared for anything. And, um, well, we're just we're thankful at the same time that the, the Olympic Games is close to home in Paris. And how how much easier for it is it now? Like Tokyo was in the midst of COVID. There was the question marks over well, how will people going to qualify and all of the rest of it. And I know that that was kind of weighing on your mind because it's a it's it's a brutal qualification process to actually get to the Olympic Games for you in gymnastics. There's so many countries around the world, so many individuals that are competing for it. Now that you've nailed that, and you've nailed it a good, you know, sort of nine, ten, eleven months out from the uh, from the games, how does that how does that factor into your thinking and to your headspace around getting ready? It's a huge relief to get it out of the way, the Olympic qualification out of the way that early on. It means that we can adapt the year to um, not have as much pressure on other competitions leading up to the Olympic Games maybe test out some new things um, and everything is kind of leading towards the Olympic Games now, which is lovely because it means we don't need to, um, well, we, we don't need to qualify. So that's that weight off my shoulders. But it's I'd say gymnastics, especially on the Palmer Horse event, it might be one of the most difficult um, sports to qualify to the Olympics in. You know, there was a guy from Jordan that came third, uh, you know, a, a world bronze medalist. And he didn't qualify because I was just ahead of him in that final. And um, there was only one spot up for grabs in that Palm Horse final. So it's a huge relief that I got it done. Um, but, you know, there's a couple of other uh, chances for, for other Irish gymnasts as well to qualify through these World Cup series next year. 
was that a a surprise to you? The Jordanian came from out of left field a little bit. And of course, the challenge with being a two-time world champion is that everybody else is aiming for you now. And always thinking that, you know, well, you know, Max Whitlock has been there or thereabouts. Rhys McLenaghan is there or thereabouts. You've no idea really who's hiding in the long grass that might be emerging from the, from the things in Paris. Do you, do you think about that much or is it totally focused on you and what you can do on the horse? I, I do think about it, but it's it depends which way you think about it. I try to think about it in a very um, motivating way. You know, people are chasing me. People are wanting that gold medal. And uh, that pushes me every day in training. So there's my motivation. Well, one of my motivations for going into the gym every day and, and working as hard as I can. When it comes to competition day, however, it's a little bit of a different story because all of the preparation has been done. And now it's time to just do that routine that I've trained hundreds of times one more time in that pressured situation. So paying attention to anybody else's gymnastics or how well somebody's doing on that day even, it, it will not help me at all. So um, I've actually adapted that new technique of not watching anybody before me. I think that really helped me in these championships. because I was, I was last up in the Palmer Horse final. And um, I think if I maybe watched any anybody else's routines, maybe that would have been unnecessary pressure on my shoulders. Okay. Um, I promise you we will get back to talking about positive stuff now in a few moments. But if you don't mind, I just want to take you back to Tokyo because it was, it was such a, a kind of a gut-wrenching thing for us to watch from a long way away. I can only imagine what it felt like for you but all of that work all of that effort all of that energy and for it to come to you know to as it did how how did you feel at the time and how long did it take you to bounce back in your mind in your routine in your confidence from what happened that day well it, it almost immediately bounced back if I'm honest when I was giving those post-competition interviews I, I was wanting to go into that warm-up hall and, and repeat that routine, repeat the mistake that I made. And uh, at that time, I was I was more motivated than ever. I was hurt, of course. I was disappointed. But I, I wanted to improve more than ever. And I think that's why, uh, you know, these last couple of years have went as well as they did was because there was that huge disappointment. But as long as I turned that disappointment into that fuel that I needed, then um, then it would reflect on the performances. And it certainly has. But it just kind of shows that that's just the way sport goes. Um, and that's why we watch sport. We, we watch sport not only for the victories, but for the disappointments. Because the more disappointments there are, the more the victories are going to mean more. And uh, I mean, I guess that reflects a little bit on the rugby performance that we've seen um, a couple of days ago. And as disappointing as that is, we're going to look back on, on these times when, when there's a huge victory. And it'll mean that that little bit more because of the amount of disappointments there's been. Yeah, they say that the victories are always born out of defeat, and uh, and and hopefully you'll you'll be able to prove that again. Uh, let me let me take you right the way back now. Uh, Reese McLenaghan, as a young kid, he's going to school. He's thinking about sport. What was it that got you into gymnastics? Where did the where did the first spark come from? Uh, I mean. I always say I was doing gymnastics even before I went to a gymnastics club. I, I taught myself how to do a backflip on my card and trampoline uh, at the age of six, I believe. 
And um, I think when my parents saw me doing that, they, you know, gymnastics was on on their minds for sure. So I, I'm grateful that they brought me to just my local leisure centre where there was a small gymnastics club being run there. And um, I loved it. I, even though it was the most basics of setups, there was there were soft mats, there were small trampolines. It was a, an amazing environment for me to be in. And I, I loved walking through those gym doors every day. And from those humble beginnings was this was it did it quickly become apparent that you had a talent which was making you stand out from perhaps those of others that were in the gym those others that might have been in the, the competitions and the days that you would have gone to meet with uh, with gymnasts in other clubs as well what was the what was the point in time when you kind of thought actually I could be quite good at this yeah, well, it, the main thing that drove me was the enjoyment of the sport in general. But uh, I'd say the turning point for me was when I was uh, probably around 15 years old, when I, I actually placed on the podium behind Max Whitlock and Lewis Smith, the two best pommel horse workers in the world. And that was kind of a moment for me, an epiphany moment where I thought I could actually go all the way in the sport. And I didn't quite believe it up until that point. Um, but I started to believe and the results followed. Um, was it always the pommel horse? It, it, no, it, because when you start gymnastics, you do all of the events. So there's six events in men's gymnastics and four in women's. And uh, you, you do all of the events because it, it gives you such a good baseline of, um, of fundamentals and basics in, in the sport. But then as you get a bit older, your, your qualities and the, your best part of your gymnastics start to shine. And for me, that was, that was the pommel horse. It was the one I loved so much. And it was the one that I was I was really standout on. So you got into the sport young. You got good at the sport relatively young. Do you ever wonder in your mind what your world would have looked like without gymnastics? So I, I do wonder that, but I can never give a, a clear image in my mind because it's just such a large part of my life. It's it shaped me into the person I am today, even for skills outside of the gym, I, I'm using what I've learned in the gym. And, uh, you know, I, it's it has made me into the athlete I am today, the person I am. And uh, I, I'm forever grateful to, to gymnastics for that. Grateful is, is good. And giving back is, is, is a big part of that as well. You're, we're here talking today. You're a PTSB ambassador on the, on the road to, to, to Paris and the Olympic Games. Do you do you enjoy that? Does that does that weigh lightly upon you? The fact that other kids, other people of all ages, are looking at you and being inspired by what you're able to achieve on a world stage that we've never been on before. Does that is it something that you enjoy? Most certainly, yeah. And it's a responsibility in my eyes that I, I don't take lightly. Uh, you know, PTSB run a, a great schools program, support the Dare to Believe program that I get to actually visit schools and uh, share my story and hopefully inspire a younger generation of um, of athletes that may go to the highest level of sport, but also may just participate in sport regularly. And that's such an important thing for me to, to get across to the younger generation. And um, yeah, it, it's again makes me feel very grateful to be in the position I am to be able to have that kind of influence on people. I had Afric Kyo and Roisin Jones were speaking at an event that we did just a couple of weeks back about Dare to Believe. It really is. It's fantastic. Did you go back into your, your old school for your for your session with it? 
I actually haven't, but I need to do that for sure. So we'll definitely get that organised and hopefully inspire some kids in my hometown. They will be. They will be looking for you. All right. Um, home is important to you as well. You've been you've been training down in Dublin at the you know the National Gymnastics Centre all the way through most of the the sort of the, the successful years of your career. But you've gone back now, haven't you? You've gone back home. Yes, that's correct. So my my coach Luke has opened up his own gymnastics club which is a dream of his, and he's opened it up in my hometown, Vietnards. And uh, to see to see young kids coming through the doors in, in Origin Gymnastics and just uh, being in awe as, as I was walking into a gymnastics club, although the, these are state-of-the-art facilities that, um, that I, I had never seen when I was younger. And it, it's great to see that, and it's very inspiring for me to see how, how much enjoyment younger kids get from this sport. And um, you know how much how much has come along as well in the country in general. That that relationship with Luke seems to be very important. It seems to be one of those kind of coach athlete relationships that you just you notice you notice the fact that the two of you being close, talking to each other in the in, in the great moments and in the the tougher ones as well. How how did that come about? Where did where did that relationship start? Well, it's, it's so important in gymnastics to um, to have that great relationship with your coach. When I was growing up, I would have seen Luke more than I would have seen my own parents. So you can imagine that that, that relationship, if it was if it was a bad one, then it would reflect on not only my gymnastics, but my life. So the relationship needed to be good. And uh, I'm glad that well, I, I found a coach like Luke that could have that strong relationship, could have that strong bond. And when we go into the most stressful situations in our life, which are those competitions like Olympics, World Championships, that we know that we have each other's back. And uh, I feel like that's why we produce such great results together. It is really important. Tell me something in the gym now. Are there big pictures of you up on the walls in the gym? Yeah, yeah. So when Luke opened up the gymnastics club, he um, just put a giant poster of me right behind the pommel horse. And it was uh, a moment that uh, was captured very well, uh, where it was my first Olympic Games performance. And uh, I, I put my arms out and said, I'm an Olympian. And uh, that was just captured very nicely on, on that photo. And beside that photo, it says, be undeniable, which is uh, myself and Luke's motto for our gymnastics, where we want to be undeniably the best i love that that's uh, that's great and a great message to to give to all of the uh, the rest of the kids that are coming in there as well now that you've got the qualification sorted out paris will be taking place next summer what does your personal road to that look like in terms of competition and in terms of training would you be would you be the kind of athlete and would luke be the kind of coach that would really have it mapped out Kind of on a day by day basis between now and August when you uh, when you go into the arena. Yeah, most certainly we we want to be getting some of those uh, World Cup competitions done. So just for that experience to you know we're not going to compete for the rest of the year now. So to brush off the cobwebs early next year and um, really test out some new routines, new skills in those competitions without having the weight of Olympic qualifications on our shoulders is a is a real luxury. And, um, you know, it means that everything can kind of just point towards Paris Olympic Games now. Uh, so I, I look forward to that. I look forward to each competition I do and hopefully I can enjoy each and every one of them. And when you're in the gym getting ready, when you're at your peak training period, because 
when those of us who've never, you know, managed to get onto a pommel horse rather than just sit on it, when we look at what you do, it is beyond the realm of, of what we can understand. You're doing that day in, day out, huge pressure and wear and, and, and hopefully not tear on, on your body. But what, you know, what's the timetable like on a, on a regular day for you when you're at peak training? So, I mean, the great thing about being a now professional gymnast is that we can be very flexible with our training hours, with our schedule. And I almost can't give a, a definitive uh, number of hours that we're in the gym per week because we really just go in there and um, do what's needed to be done. And however long that takes, it takes. So, um, you know, everything in my life revolves around gymnastics. It, it's it's leading into my training. Um, you know, I get physiotherapy. I talk with nutritionists, um, work very closely with the Sport Ireland Institute. And uh, we all have that common goal of um, getting the most out of my performance on that competition day. So it's a uh, it's it's super exciting to work in that way. And it's a dream come true, really. When I was sitting there daydreaming about my gymnastics in school, uh, this is this is more than I even imagined it would be. I can I can only imagine. Um, Tokyo was was very different in terms of like you know it was all COVID and so it probably wasn't that full Olympic Village experience. But what is, what would some of the other events be that you'd be looking forward to most when you when you're out there in Paris? Like once you've once you've got your competition done. Hopefully, medal secure. Uh, thinking of going back in, in in glory back to the Origin Gymnastics Club in in Newton Arts. What other sporting events would you uh, would you be interested in going along to? I'd love to watch the boxing. I'm a big boxing fan, and um, seeing, of course, a couple of medals being brought back for Team Ireland would be it would be amazing to be there and see that history being made. Um, going to watch the athletics, I mean, that would be a, a dream as well, just to, to kind of, because that's it's almost the foundation of Olympic sports is coming off athletics. So to see some of Team Ireland's finest going to work there would be incredible also. But uh, any sport that Team Ireland is participating in has got my full support and uh, I can't wait to be a part of that team. So very good. Uh, last question for you. Yourself and Max Whitlock have been going head to head with each other from world championships, Olympics and all the rest of it. Do you get along well? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. We're starting to get more familiar with each other the more we see each other at competitions. And, um, you know, we know that there's that rivalry, but uh, we also know how uh, how tricky this sport of gymnastics can be. So it's, um, uh, you know, when, when Max had his fall in world championships, there was nothing but respect between us both. We know that we can have our bad days and we can have our good days. So I think the, the fact that we're still going, still competing at the highest level, it, it shows that, the, that we both have that respect for each other. Well, I think you can rest assured that the whole island of Ireland has got the utmost respect for you for what you've achieved so far and hopefully for what is still to come on the road to Paris. Uh, Rhys McLenaghan, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Rob.
we will all be rooting for Reese in Paris, and he is a genuine medal prospect for Team Ireland. Thanks again to PTSB for their support of this Road to Paris series. You can subscribe to the Sport for Business podcast, which drops every Tuesday and Thursday across a wide range of sporting interests on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. There are now more than 40 interviews to listen back to, including with the CEOs of Sport Ireland, the British and Irish Lions, the FAI, and many more, as well as sporting stars, including Rashida Adelecki, Davy Fitzgerald, and Fintan McCarthy. Please feel free to dive in and spread the word. You can sign up as well to our twice-daily email bulletins or check us out on X or LinkedIn. Coming up next, we will be chatting with Underdogs coach and so much more, Maeve de Burka, and the former chair of Drogheda United, who has brokered a deal to secure the future of the club. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen in. <laughs>